Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Can you believe we are already in the month of February? We've had a really busy start to the year, but I think so far it's been a pretty good one. I'd love to know what you've all been up to and what you're looking to bring into 2023. Now, I'm thrilled to share that I was recently back on the Behind Within Her podcast with the incredible Berlina Washington. Back in December, we spoke on her show about finding your purpose, and I was honored to come back and join some other amazing ladies in the space to talk about healing from generational trauma. The conversation included Pamela Davis, who is a dear friend of the show and host of the Well Done Life podcast, along with Chrissy Diaz, whom I've had the pleasure of getting to know through Pam's show, and a new podcasting friend, Leslie. Lou, founder of Reclaiming Your Courage. It was really a fantastic roundtable, and I'm so proud to be included in the conversation. I've linked the episode in the show notes in case you'd like to check it out and tune in because in a few weeks, we will have Berlina on the show as well. So she'll be coming over here and joining us. We are continuing this week on the podcast with the theme of resilience as we chat with Connie Monroe, who is the author of Holding On to Joy Through Abandonment and Divorce. Connie is the CEO of Monroe Coaching, which helps women after their divorce and when they either cannot or do not want to have children, enabling women to create their ultimate dream life, especially when things don't look the way that they've planned. In our conversation, Connie shares what her own journey looked like, along with her tips for rebuilding our lives after heartbreak. We talk about how to choose joy, the power of setting intentions at the beginning of the day, ways to clear your mind and stop that pattern of rumination, and much, much more. It's a really great conversation, and I know you're going to love it. So enough from me. We're going to dive right into this episode with Connie Monroe. Hi, Connie. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Valerie. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited to chat more about your work and about your journey. Before we get too deep into that, first, why don't you tell our listeners just a little about you? Okay, so I am an author and a life coach living in Costa Rica. My previous life (laughs) was very corporate. I worked in finance for 18 years, and it was a a slow journey getting to do what I'm doing now. But basically, that's it. My book was published in 2021, so that was definitely something that helped my coaching career. But basically, I'm a transformational coach living in paradise with my life partner, Uh, Martin Hilson. And it's been a wild ride coming out of corporate into this life. But it's been, you know, it's been a lifelong dream to be able to sit and write for a living, to sit and have conversations with people for a living and help them make, you know, major transitions, major transformation in their own lives. And uh, I just feel grateful. I feel extremely grateful to, to have this life and to help other people you know, make the most of their lives, live their dreams and design their life rather than just earn a living. I think it's really important that we, we make the most of the time that we have while we're here on earth. Well, I completely agree with you. And I'm so curious about that journey from corporate into this transformational (laughs) life coaching. Talk to me a little bit about what led you there and what inspired that. It's really interesting. When I first went I graduated from university and I had an opportunity actually. I had an opportunity to go into radio, oddly enough, it's sort of like a journalism career, or I could go and work for this big company. And I was scared really. 
honestly, I was scared to make the, the talk radio show in New York who wanted to hire me because I used to do an internship at my university uh, with the radio station. And it would have required me to go into New York City, which I did not know at that time. And so I just took the safe, you know, quote unquote, safe route and went into corporate with the intention of just staying for a couple of years. My degree is in English. My mom was all excited because she thought I was going to be a teacher. And I'm like, mom, they make no money. I'm not doing that. So, so um, yeah, I would talk to my, um, my colleagues and work, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just passing through guys. I am not going to stay here. You guys will all be sitting around the lunchroom reading my books that I'm going to write. And that didn't happen because, you know, anyone who's working for corporate America, who's working for actually a decent company knows that they want to retain you. And so my company actually, actually was pretty incredible. Their benefits were amazing. The programs for moving up within the company were amazing. And before I knew it, I found myself buying into all of that and climbing the corporate ladder. But there was always this distant voice, you know, way off in the distance saying, what about the writing? <laughs> what about like, what do you want to do? Like, like you weren't supposed to be here. A, a side note was like within the second year of me being there, I met my ex-husband. So before I knew it, you know, after a year of that, I was planning a wedding and, you know, life just happened. And I, I hadn't picked up a pen to write in a journal in many, many years. It would be probably maybe not the whole full six, uh, 18 years, but like there was quite a number of years I didn't do anything that I had intended to. And I just let, I just got caught up in life. And so when the big financial crisis happened, because I was working in finance, rather than taking a job that they were going to offer me, I decided to take the package. And that was a little bit of a, a scary move, but I worked it out. It was 16 years for one big company. I took the package, I freaked out. And within a year I was working back in corporate with some of my old buddies and I, I knew it was a mistake. So I spent two more. So in total, I'd spent 18 years in corporate. And then by that time I had gone through a divorce. There were fertility issues. I was trying to have a baby. And so I just said, this is it. I'm making a clean slate of it. I had then met my now partner in life and he just decided that traveling is what we like to do. We ended up in Costa Rica because just on a fluke to go on a holiday. And here we are all these years later, like living here permanently. So couldn't be happier. But my experience is that it's never linear. You know, life happens and you, you have to deal with that. And so here we are. We're having this lovely conversation with you. And it's, it's so nice to be here. <laughs> Well, it's so nice to have you. And it's so interesting hearing about your journey. And you're so right about how it really is not a linear path for anyone. And a lot of times, I mean, we went through a global pandemic, life does not look the way that you always think it's going to look. And, you know, something that you do, you know, you touched a little bit on a divorce and fertility issues. You created a whole coaching practice around rebuilding your life really after heartbreak, after life does not go as planned, after difficult situations. And I'd love to know what that process looked like for you and some tips you might have that, you know, things you learned from that. Sure, sure. Well, the fertility issues came first, right? So I was married, I was happy, and now we were planning a baby. And it just sort of was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. You know, and so it was five years of trying to have a child and I just was burnt out. And then the big thing was, let's just go on a really big trip if this in, if this in vitro fertilization thing doesn't work. And so we did. And we went to Europe. It was amazing. 
And like within weeks of coming home, my ex-husband was going to leave me, you know, and up for another woman. And I was like, wait a minute, how, like, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> so it was like, I consider myself a, a really, really lucky person because generally speaking, I'm happy. I, I think I was just born happy. Right. Um, and my name is so like, what came first, the person or the name, right? My, my long name is Constance, right? There's a consistency there. But when all of that happened to me, it was like being Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole. I'd, I'd been in a place I'd never been before. Sure, I'd been sad in my life. I wasn't this happy-go-lucky person that never had any problems, but this was uh, another level that I'd never experienced. And so I went through, I, act, I, did, I did do some therapy. That helped. I really think I needed to. What I was told is that I was having a major depressive episode. And what I noticed through the process of being depressed, first because I couldn't have a baby, then because my, my ex-husband was going to leave me, and then, you know, all these things were just, it was like one after the other. I really got to a point where I understood people who weren't happy. Like I've known a number of people in my life who had, you know, issues with depression or whatever, and I had such empathy. But from time and time and time again, like this, small things would happen, right? So... For example, there would be like, um, you know, a number of family events that we had to do and I'd be in the middle of this depression and I'm like, all right, well, maybe I should do something for someone else, right? That's what I started to do. Every time I started to feel like I was going back down the rabbit hole, I'm like, let me do something for someone else. What can I do for someone else? And a major, major awakening was, you know, I, now, so now let's flash forward. I'm like right in the middle of the divorce. We, we realize that the marriage isn't going to work out. And I'm like, I have this routine where I make it, I manage to make it through the day because I'm still working for the man, right? I'm in corporate America and I'm in the middle of the divorce and I have this routine where I go home. I picked up my college habit of smoking again. So I'd have some cigarettes, I'd have my wine and I'd like talk on the phone, right? To people every day after work, like just congratulating myself that I made it through the day. And one day the phone rang to me. I wasn't calling somebody, somebody was calling me. And it happened to be my cousin, uh, one of my cousins. My cousin um, and I grew up like, sisters. We're both the youngest in our family by a number of years. So we, we were like the little kids in the family and she's bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the one who's supposed to be crying. This is my time of day that I cry. Who's calling me? And uh, it was her. And she, she has been her in, in the career of nursing for many, many years. She's an amazing nurse and uh, she's, she knows prognosis really well. So she was calling me to tell me that her sister, my other cousin was diagnosed with breast cancer. And because she was so upset, I knew it was, it was not a good prognosis. And that afternoon that I got that phone call, I was like, you know what? You are not going to die from this divorce. Your cousin is in serious danger of losing her life. You need to get it together. And, you know, we can all talk about moments like that, 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 that happened to us. Like, oh, I need to get my act together because this person has it worse than me. But what I did in that moment is I really tried because I felt like if I don't try, right, if, if I don't get my act together and get myself out of this, it's like an insult to her. Like, I, I don't have problems. Oh, my, like my husband's leaving me for another woman. Like, well, how cliche is that? A million people have, have survived that, right? Not too many people survive breast cancer that have a really bad diagnosis, right? 
So I'm not saying that it was smooth sailing from there, there on out. It wasn't. But what I started to do after that is instead of hitting the bottle of wine and the packet of cigarettes, I'd hit the sneakers, I'd go for a run. I started incorporating more things into my life that would get me out of the rabbit hole that were positive rather than negative. And it really scared me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that my cousin survived. She had, uh, I think it was about two years of really harsh treatment and, and we were all worried and upset, but she's with us today and she's one of the biggest blessings of our family. But it was a smack in the face for me. Like, shame on you, right? Get off your pity potty. You are not going to die. Well, I think it gives a lot of perspective. You know, I think A, going through these challenges, it does give you that sense of empathy toward others that you may not have had before and that understanding. But B, you're able to kind of shift that perspective when you do realize, you know, hey, this really unfortunate thing is happening. Maybe what I'm going through, while difficult, it's not the end of the world. It's a shift, but it's not. and. I'm so happy to hear that that she's doing well and yeah. that that really is a blessing but that yeah. has to be yeah such a shift in perspective for sure. Yeah. And and you know I think that ever since that happened that that one incident that I described getting the phone call and having the realization I think I've tried my best to hold on to that because I think it's important like Something like that doesn't happen every day. And if we're always focused on our own problems, we're just going to, that's where the focus is going to stay. Like I found these moments of, of saying, oh, it's someone's birthday, I'll go shopping for them or I'll do this for them. One of the other things I did in the, as my divorce was beginning is I, did, I volunteered my time. I became a cheer coach at my local church. There was an ad in the paper And it said, you know, looking for head cheerleading coach, whatever. And I had this amazing cheerleading background with my amazing coach, who's still a very much a life mentor for me. And I told my mom and like, like by this time, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of the divorce. I'm like living on my own, like things are moving along. And I'm telling her about this ad in in the bulletin. And she's like, why are you on the phone with me? You should be on the phone with the athletic director. And so I told him about my experience with cheerleading. And he's like, well, you can have the position. I actually didn't even want the head coach position. I wanted the assistant one to ease my way into it. But that was a blessing in disguise. Those kids that I coached, I went on to coach them for like seven years or something. And they did more for me than I ever did for them. Nobody knew that I was in the middle of this crisis. You know, I didn't want to talk about it with them because I felt a little embarrassed. And in fact, I still keep in touch with some of the people from that time. And the one, uh, the one guy, he actually ended up giving me my promotion at my job. Right. So I was coaching his daughter and I get this promotion. He didn't give it to me, but it's a long story. Right. So what happens is he says, give me your resume. I think it'd be a great fit. And then it's so funny because I'm still in touch with him all these years later. And so I give him a copy of my book. I gifted him a copy. And he's like, I had no, this is years ago now, right? Like we're talking about like, (laughs) I'm divorced a long time now. And the book came out in 2021. And so he sends me this thank you message for the book. He's like, I had no idea you were going through that. Wow. And I said, well, then I, then that's a success because you know what? I didn't want everybody to know. And as a side note, right, let's remember, I met my ex-husband at the company. So I was working in a part of the company where I was like, he had a lot of family working there. 
I'm bumping into relatives in the, in the hallway. Like it was like so difficult. And then when I got this other job, right? Like I was moved to a totally, like I had to commute now and I moved to a totally different area of the company where I could be my own person and nobody knew, like, you know, we were working together and his family was working there. It's like, everybody knew my business. It was horrendous. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That has to be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think that it's such a long journey, right? Like at first I didn't want to be in the company. Then I found myself married to someone who was in the company. And then you know how it is in corporate, right? Like you have to sort of make your way. Like I took a sidestep off Mm -hmm. of my career so that I can try and have babies and that wasn't working out. And it was like my path, like we were saying before, right? Or your path is never linear. My path was not only not linear, it was like, it was a mess, you know? And I was, I couldn't see my way out of it. But I knew that I would have to get back on the career ladder so that I could do something else. Like I had to make that decision. And fortunately for me, I met these wonderful group of people who they made a real difference in the company. And I was so fortunate that that happened. And and guess what? That happened through my volunteer work. So we have to realize that we have to bloom where we're planted. You know, we have to sort of just keep going right? We have to just keep going, even if that means talking to someone once a week or realizing that someone has it worse than we do or whatever it is, but we have to keep going. And making the connections with people is so important. If you're just going home and doing the same routine every day and you're isolating yourself, you're not going to make the connections. And how, how full circle it came, right? with the cheerleading thing, right? So I was a cheerleader when I was little, and then now here I am. And and oddly enough, I became a cheerleader at the age of nine when my father abandoned us, right? So that's the other part of my book, right? I'm trying to hold on to joy through abandonment and divorce. And so I become this cheerleader. I throw myself into the sport, and it was an amazing experience. And then here I am, like, you know, however many odd years later, I'm going through a divorce and now I'm coaching cheerleaders, right? Like, I don't think, like, my mom has a saying, she says, that's no coincidence. There are no coincidences. People who are listening, I don't know what they believe in, they believe in the universe, but my belief is that's like God acting anonymously, right? So, and I, and there's synchronicity, right? I, I totally believe in synchronicity. You know, once you start putting yourself out there and it's all good, right? Your intentions are good. It will come back to you. And I, I never knew I was doing such the, the right move until all of that started happening. Like the first step was saying, okay, this can't happen anymore. We can't be together. I'm, I'm, we're going to have to go through this divorce. And it was like the minute that happened, all these things started happening. And I just kept doing more and more and more. And it was, it was amazing. And you really, I really think that when we, we get some type of trauma in our life or when something happens, we get a total curveball thrown at us. It's like the um, ostrich effect, right? We put our head in the sand and it's so easy to do that. It's so, it's so much easier than putting a smile on and doing what you got to do. But in the, it's, it's, it's like a bandaid, right? You don't want to, you want the thing to heal. You don't want to something to, you don't want to put a bandaid on it. You want it, you want to get better. And the only way I've found to do that is to put myself out there. 
uh, if I don't know what, what to do next, I tend to like just do some research. I tend to reach out to people I haven't talked to in a while. I tend to put myself out there because we don't want to get stuck in a place where our head's in the sand. Yeah, I think so often when I'm going through something challenging, if I have lots of just time to be sitting and think, like I'm giving myself, I think as I've gotten older, I've been giving myself more permission to feel it and to move through it. But if I'm really just sitting with nothing to do for long right. periods of time and wallowing in it, it doesn't really do me much good. Exactly. I can feel it and then move through it. And then, you know, I talk to college students quite a bit about networking and kind of building themselves for their careers. And one of the things I always tell them is that giving back to the community and volunteering, the absolute worst case scenario and the whole thing, if nothing else, the worst thing that comes out of it is that you helped someone and you made the world a little bit better. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are so many groups that I've been a part of where I made friends from the volunteering experience because it's somebody else that cares about the same cause you do. Yes. You, you meet people that they're trying to, to make the world better also. And sometimes I think I take on too much of that. And I think there can be a, a balancing act there too with making sure you don't overfill your calendar. But at the same time, I, I don't think that's ever going to be a regret for me that I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to regret that I spent too much time with any of that in, yeah. in the long run. And I think it changes the way that you see the world, I think, too. Oh, it absolutely does. And I never I mean, I knew that that would be the case when I was going to coach these cheerleaders, but I never I, I just didn't realize how much like, you know, here I am giving back, but you, you can't really explain how much you get back in return. You know, there is a chapter in my book that is about giving back. And the other type of volunteer work that I did, this is well after my divorce was over. This was after I left corporate America. I'd gone to some seminar. Um, my partner and I were living full-time still in um, New Jersey and uh, in Princeton, New Jersey, and Princeton Public Library is amazing. And they had this program that was, you know, they always had programs going on like, oh, are you out of work or whatever? So I went to hear this lady talk about how she went from some, I think it might've been corporate job into working for herself, becoming self-employed. And she said, never underestimate what volunteer work does for you and always include it on your resume. And so there was this uh, organization in Princeton who I went to work for, I went to volunteer for. What the volunteer job would have required me to do is exactly what I wanted to do, read and write all day. And I knew the lady, I knew the lady, my beautiful friend Kate, she, it's basically a, like an innocence project. And they work to free wrongfully convicted individuals. And I, I heard about her work over the years that I knew her, but I really didn't know what was involved. So here I am, I'm like, hello, I'm just gonna volunteer my time. And that was another instance where here I am just volunteering my time. And I was so amazed at the work that goes into this. And I was so, I, I have definitely become a better person having worked for that organization. These people are amazing. The, the, the people they service are amazing. It was an incredibly humbling experience, but like, like you say, right? You, you, there's, you're never ever gonna regret it. You're never going to regret donating your time to people who really appreciate you, to people who really need your help. When you give back, it gets you into a different perspective and a different mind frame, right? One of the things that I do 
a lot with people. We had discussed on our email exchange about the joy. I have this framework that I work with, which is called joy. And it's all based on my book, right? So I, I basically divide the chapters of my book into three sections, all, all coming out into joy, J-O-Y, right? So it's all about mind frame. Like our minds are incredible. And if one of the ways that you can like change your mindset is go four hours a week somewhere and help someone else, why wouldn't you do it, right? So the framework is actually J-O-Y. So J is for journey. When I'm working with people who are trying to transition into a different type of life, we always look at, okay, where are you in your journey? Lots of times people are stuck, right? They're, they're in a place where they're stuck and we need to figure it out. So first thing we look at is where you are in your journey. Then we move on to the O, which is others. What is your relationship with others? Lots of times people can't move on or people are stuck because of their relationship with others. So we have to figure that out. And then last but not least is the why, which is you. So once we know where you are on your journey, what your relationship is with others, sometimes people get stuck. It's like their family life is great, but their professional life is horrible. And that's life, right? So what we want to do is create a plan that gets you to a point where you don't have to worry about the next curveball that's coming to you. Of course, you're going to worry. Of course, you know, someone dies suddenly or some tragedies happen. But remember, joy is different than happiness. So happiness, it comes and goes. But to lead a joyful life, you know, joy, if you look up the definition of joy in, in the dictionary, it's gladness not based on your circumstance. And sometimes when I introduce that concept to people, they're like, well, how is that possible? But it is. So one of the things that, one of the biggest takeaways for me in writing my book, in having the experiences that I have, is that we can actually choose that. And it's hard, man. You know, <laughs> you know, if you were to tell me that the first day that I went home when my husband left and had moved all his stuff out, I'm like, how do you choose that? Who chooses that when this is going on? But I just, I, it was the first time in my life that I realized that there are times that we have to choose it. And it was bad. I mean, I'm telling you, I was down the rabbit hole. I, I really thought that life wasn't worth living. I really thought like, well, why did all of this happen to me? You know, my father abandoned me. Now this man is leaving me. Like, I'm never going to be normal, you know? <laughs> and, and to me, I guess at that point in my life, normal was having a family and getting married. And that's not the only normal. That's normal for some people. And if it's not working out for me, that's okay. Life is so much more than the bad things that happen to you. So we have to get to that point where we can choose joy. I can think of times recently, like some stupid thing happened here in the house and there was like, there was a, a water leak or something. And like 20 years ago, I would have been like cursing and maybe even crying. Like my shoes got ruined and like, but I was actually laughing, <laughs> you know? And I, I think that we have to really just put ourselves in check. We have to do, give ourselves a, a constant mental stress test. If you are having heart problems and you go to the doctor, the first thing he's going to do is going to put you on the treadmill, you know, and it's not so much how long you can stay on the treadmill. It's how quickly you recover when you get off the treadmill. So how, how does that work for us emotionally, right? What sets us off? You know, how much does it take to set us off? Is it just the guy on the highway cutting you off and you're hanging out the window screaming? <laughs> you know, what is your stress test? 
And that is really something that I think I've come such a long way with. When I was a new bride and I was trying to have babies, I was like, I wanted everything to be perfect and like things would upset me. But when, when I was initially faced with the fact that I might not have children, I was extremely sad. And I could feel myself sort of slipping and then it compiled and it compiled. And the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of a marital crisis. And I just, yeah, it was the first time I, I'm actually happy to say that I'm, I'm really glad that happened to me. I'm really glad that happened to me because I don't think I would have had all the life lessons if that didn't happen to me. Well, I think that there's so much meaning we can find in the difficult life circumstances, even if like, I think it can be really challenging when someone does come to you and says, well, it happened for a reason. And it's like, really? Because I don't see, and I don't think that is necessarily the case, but I think to be able to look at life's challenges and to find how can I adjust? What can I do? What, what other path is there? And I've had on a much lower level sometimes where even like job opportunities that didn't work out for me turned out to be, there was something else that was better or there was something that I didn't know about at the time. And when it happened, you know, it's devastating. And then when you find that next opportunity, it's something you don't really think about in the same way. And obviously with different different things that may happen, it's going to look different for everybody and how long it's maybe been what you've pictured or what you've you've wanted in your life. But I'd love to know life's curveballs. They're going to happen to all of us. And it can be really Yeah, I think it's hard to get unstuck. And that treadmill, when we're on the treadmill, it's one thing, but then getting off the treadmill and figuring out, okay, now that all these things have been thrown at me, I kind of know that X, Y, and Z may not happen for me. And we get in that state of stuckness. How, I think, first of all, do we recognize that? Because sometimes I think we just kind of fall into that pattern a little bit. And how how do we choose joy and choose to move forward? It's literally a decision. The biggest thing you need is to be flexible. That is the biggest thing. I'm the youngest of four, and I'm so, so grateful to have had my three older sisters. They're eight, nine, and 10 years older than I was. And I'm so grateful that that they were there because I think when I was a little kid, I had I, my my dad. You see, he was always abandoning us, right? So lots of people say, "Oh, well, how did you get over your father abandoning you?" He was kind of always leaving. He had his last three or four years with us. He was great. He was like this great man, and we thought that he was going to be good and everything, and it just didn't work out. But I think that my father's behavior may be a very rigid kid. Like I was almost like a little OCD and my sisters made me realize you have to be a little bit more flexible. Like I would literally not get dressed in the morning if my school uniform was still in the dryer. And they're like, well, you've got other parts of your your clothing you could put on. Like what's wrong with you? So, so they really made me realize you have to be a little bit more flexible. I didn't want to be flexible because my dad was always leaving. Right. I was like, I'm going to be very stringent and you know, I'm going to make things happen. And you know what? We can't be like that because if we are so rigid that we don't see what's around us, then good things can't come to us. You know, I believe that things are put in our path. I write about, again, right? I write about it in my book. Like there's this whole situation where I believe that this man who I talked to one day led me to reconnect with my dad. Now, if I had been rigid and said, no, I'm not going to talk to that man, this total stranger on the street in the middle of Princeton, who I didn't want to have a conversation with, was trying to have a conversation with me, you know, I could have went off and gone into one of the stores there or something. But the main thing is to be flexible. If 
you're hitting up against a wall, you're not getting that job, or this person's not calling you back, the main thing is to be flexible and say, well, what else could this mean? Once we give that up to the universe, to God, to whatever you believe in, once we give that up and we make ourselves more flexible, then that's when we reap the rewards. Because to me, there is no failure in life as long as you're learning a lesson. If you don't, if you're going through the same failures over and over and over and over again, it's because you're not learning the lesson. Those things are going to keep happening to you until you learn the lesson. And you know, that was my biggest fear in my divorce. Like I was young, right? When I was going through that, I was 35 years old. Everybody, not everybody. I would say 80% of the people in my life were like, you are 35 years old. Do you know what this means? You're young enough to get, get married again and have babies. And I'm like, yo, can I just get through the divorce first? Like, I was mm -hmm. so done. Yeah. I didn't want, I didn't, the last thing I wanted to think about was marriage and babies. I was so over it. And I think that that was supposed to be me. I, that was where I was supposed to go. I was supposed to let life around me show me what to do. But when we're so rigid and we're on such a schedule and we're, you know, we're thinking this is how our life should be, we won't be open to what life is supposed to give us. And so I think the main thing definitely is to be flexible, be flexible and be open-minded because it takes us so much further. You know, when you're thinking about a specific plan, right? Think about all the times you might've made an action plan so many times. Like, well, I used to work in IT for a while for the big company and oh my gosh, the, the, you plan to make the plan to make the project. Like it's like so much planning. Mm -hmm, yeah. When you think about if your mind is like that, I mean, certainly that's necessary to complete some IT project. But when you're thinking about your mind, that's what that, that saying comes from, right? Like, think out of the box. If you keep yourself in the box, you can miss so much. I just want to stay in the box. Well, why do you want to stay in the box? Like, there's so much outside the box, you know? And, and yeah. you'll never know what's for you if you don't step out of there. Sometimes I think you, I, I think I like living there now. I like living outside the box. I, and, and that's big for me because you can ask any one of my sisters. They'll be like, they do. Sometimes they come here now to Costa Rica, of course. So now, because I was like this timid little kid, right? So now they come here to Costa Rica now and they're like, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, come on, let's go to that beach. It's like, there's nobody over there. I'm like, I know that's the way it's supposed to be. And like, I've become the adventurous one and they, they become like, you know, and, and I think that's where we should be. We should be open. We should be flexible. Cause at the bottom line is if we're living inside the box, it's cause there's a certain level of fear, right? We want to be comfortable. We want to know what's happening tomorrow. Guess what, Valerie? I don't know what's happening tomorrow and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I really am. Of course, I've got things I can control, like the laundry. I make sure my laundry's done, you know, stupid little things like that. But the bigger picture, the bigger picture, man, none of us have control and it's all okay. So I'm speaking to you as someone who I'm very much that control freak. I want things to be a certain way. I have, I, I do, I'm a Virgo and Capricorn rising, got all of the earth, have my planner, have my lists. And like, I think I'm fairly resilient, but it really takes, like, it really takes a lot of kind of shifting mm. to let go. So for those who are listening, who are like, I don't know, like they're so rigid and what are some small steps we can take to start letting go of that and to start inviting that openness? Like, are there baby steps that we can kind of invite into our lives? Absolutely. I would say my biggest one I started doing 
Now, mind you, I'd already come a long way, but I started implementing this one thing probably right before COVID hit. In 2019, I read a book by Trevor Blake called Three Simple Steps. And it was amazing because he just talks about doing one thing. Actually, three simple steps are three things he talks about in his book, but this one thing is what changed my life. So he talks about getting up in the morning and setting an intention, right? So now, so now you, you, well, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Franklin Covey. You know, the company I work for put me through amazing training programs. And so I was like the planner girl and all of that. <laughs> We're not talking about getting up and making a plan. That's not an intention. A plan and an intention are very different things. So the intention is how are you going to live this day? Just take 15 minutes in the morning and think about it. Let's say you have a, a really rough day coming up. My suggestion to you would be, you've got like all these meetings, you know you're gonna be stressed out. My, my suggestion would be, I'm setting an intention right now, whatever time in the morning it is, it's 5.30 in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, no matter what happens, I'm gonna do every single thing with joy. You see, when we first wake up in the morning, and Trevor Blake is like a master at this, he is really, really good at, he's done like a lot of research, he's really good at training his brain, basically. When we first wake up in the morning, our brain has like a clean slate. And so if the first thing you're putting in your brain is, I'm going to live with joy today. Okay, so maybe the first time you do it, it's not so obvious, but you do that. I defy anybody to do this, what I'm saying, every day for two weeks and not notice a difference. I really, I would love to give someone a challenge because I'm telling you right now, it makes a huge difference difference. Intentions that we set, our brain remembers them. Like the first thing you say, I'm going to live with joy today, right? You totally believe it. You feel it. You think it. Boom. The first stressful thing that happens to you five, six, seven hours later, your brain is going to remind you. We don't even use a fraction of our brains the way we should, we're supposed to. This will really work getting up in the morning and taking 15 minutes. Lots of people will say to me, well, I don't have 15 minutes. You do have 15 minutes. I know lots of people who I have broken the habit of hopping on their phone right away. Don't hop on your phone right away. There's a whole world in that little phone that's ready to sabotage your day. Don't do it. You, if the only way you can really do your best to live your best day, to have more joy is to set it from the get-go. And you can't do that if you check your email first. The minute you check your the minute you check your email first, it's all downhill. <laughs> then you're not choosing joy. Exactly. Exactly. And and really what ends up happening, what I experienced is that when I started doing this, 10 minutes, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I've got a lot of stuff to do. I mean, think about it, right? I was this is back in 2019, 2018, 2019. I was writing a book. Um, at that time, my partner and I, we, we owned a restaurant here for four years. So I was running a restaurant. I was writing a book. I was like barely doing any coaching stuff. And now I'm like, I'm like, and now I'm supposed to sit here for 10 minutes. Well, 10 minutes turned into 15, turned into 20. There's not a day that goes by that the first half hour of my day is not spent setting intentions and listening to positive things and reading things that, that are going to build me up and sustain me throughout the day. Then when you think of that, 30 minutes is like nothing. Like, why would we not do that for ourselves first thing in the morning? 
Yeah. Well, and we already like you're, you're so right. There is so much time that we're spending doing non-productive and when I say non-productive I mean like email and things like that where it's like not productive for our minds (laughs) or like I'll have you know I used to have Netflix on like first thing or whatever it was like I needed to have something going on in the background and it's really funny you mentioned this because my word for the year is intention and I have been trying to spend more of my morning like starting a little bit slower and drinking my warm water and kind of having a little bit more of that morning routine again, because I've been so go, go, go in the last couple of years, especially last year. And I don't see why not for, you know, sit down with my, with my hot water and just thinking about, okay, like kind of telling myself what I may need to say. But even I've, I've had times when I was in more of a journaling practice where if I was journaling at night and I knew that tomorrow was going to be you know, Thursdays, for example, are like every single possible meeting. They just stack them. Yeah. And I go into Thursdays like, oh my gosh. And now I have an episode airing on Thursdays. So I'm like, is everything ready? And when I would actually end the night with tomorrow is going to be good, everything is going to run smoothly. And even if it didn't, just kind of going into that with that mindset that things are yes. going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And then even when they didn't, it's so much easier to laugh about it. It so is. Yeah. Because I can't deal with the really hard things that ha- – the really hard curveballs in life. If I'm getting angry at, like, an email that oh, I didn't yeah. get. But if I can roll with the punches there. Yes. Absolutely. And you just – I mean, I, I can tell you personally, since implementing this in my life, I think, like, sometimes something comes my way and I'm like, Wow. You know, five years ago, that really would have ticked me off, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it really, I really think that if every single person in the world did this, it would, the world would be a better place because I know that for me, when I started doing this at the time we were, we still had the restaurant here, restaurant business is a really stressful business. Things that nor- when we first opened the business, things that normally would bother me, they were rolling off my back. And so what, what did that do? That made the staff in the restaurant more comfortable. That made my partner comfortable. It, 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 it allowed me to get back to my own work, my own personal work that I was trying to do. So if we get so tense, the only way what we can combat that is to start out correctly. And what you said, I like what you said about, you know, journaling in the evening, knowing that the next day was going to be busy. I think it's so important to start your day and end your day properly. Like my partner and I, we have a cutoff. It's probably seven is the latest. Seven is it. Your day is done. We need to be sitting down, either talking about our day over a glass of wine. I try to minimize my news personally. We do watch this very good show that's news related in in the evenings usually. But honestly, if if you have a good start to your day and a good end to your day, it doesn't matter what happened in between. You, You need time to set it straight. And then at the end of the day, you need time to recover. And if you don't allow yourself that, literally the synergies in your brain, like the, the synapses that Trevor Blake can tell you so much more about than I can, they literally, if we don't give them time to reconnect, you know, that's when, that's what they say, you know, stress kills. That's why it kills because we're not giving our brains time to recuperate. So if we set it up well, that starts us well. And then if we end it well, we just, we need that. You can't put a price on your health. 
you know, your mental health and even your physical health. You know, if you're, if you're always stressed out, it's going to, it's not just mental, it's going to affect your body. Yeah. I've seen, I can't remember exactly what it said, but I saw a, like a graphic not too long ago that was kind of saying, if you're not choosing to focus on your wellness, then you're going to be forced to focus on your illness. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Yeah. Like, I, cause I know for me personally, I start, I'm very good about the morning routine. I've gotten, you know, kind of into those habits, the evening routine, a little bit harder. <laughs> and I noticed that if I don't get, if I don't get enough sleep, like it, really makes the day and that is one of those intentions for this new year but when I'm not getting to sleep or when I'm really revving myself up like at night which I think so many of us do like we're not digesting like what happened the day before and we're not we're not even operating it like so then I end up staying up later to get the things done that if I'd taken care of myself normally could have been done in much less time and with a lot less stress yeah absolutely no, and sleep, you know, that's a whole nother, we could do a whole podcast on sleep deprivation. I mean, I'm a great sleeper, uh, but again, right, when I was going, when I was in the middle of my divorce, I was like, oh my God, is this what insomnia is? I had no idea. So I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. And I noticed lack of sleep, like I couldn't concentrate at work. And finally, somebody said to me, because they knew it was like either my sister or my cousin or somebody, they were like, well, you're not sleeping. Of course you can't concentrate. You're stressed out over the divorce and now you're not sleeping. Like your mind doesn't know what to do with itself. So it really is rest. Do, do not underestimate the importance of rest. Yeah. End of 2020. Uh, oh my gosh. I can't even remember what year we're in. End of 2022. <laughs> um, everything in all of my community groups was coming together at once. And it was one of those times where it was all like good stress, but it was still a lot of stress, a, a lack of sleep. And it got to the point where I was at an event and one of my friends, like, I thought I sounded drunk when I was talking <laughs> to people. I did not have a sip of anything. And I'm like, I'm like slurring. And somebody finally did, because I thought I was passing it off okay. And I think the people that didn't know me, maybe they didn't pick up on it. One of my friends who was at one of the events finally said, she's like, are you getting enough sleep? I'm like, no, I'm definitely not. And so that's another reason. But I think another thing too, you know, we we definitely just life in general, it gets in the way or we we're connected to our phones, all the things. But when you're going through something challenging, you know, and you're having those curveballs, the lack of sleep, that might not just be revving myself up at night with work, but it could be that rumination. Do you have tips or anything that you would recommend for anyone that's just finding themselves in a difficult situation right now that's ruminating and just can't get their mind to slow down at night? Oh, ruminating is really, really tough. I've never tried. There's something I'd like to recommend that I've never tried. So the main thing with trying to quiet your mind, honestly, the main thing is meditation. I do meditation now, but like, I don't feel I have a problem with that, but I know it's a huge problem for people. But but like in our day and age, there are so many things for that. There are these apps. I've seen these apps that you can choose, you can pick and choose from like different things to listen to. And it basically is different noises and it's to, it's to clear your mind, right? So either it's a very repetitive sort of bell or drum, or it's something in nature. Another thing to clear your mind is to go into nature. One of the things I didn't even know I was doing it actually in the middle of my divorce when we were still, we weren't quite separated. So everything was really quite awkward. There would be, you know, at least a couple times a week, there would be like a huge argument 
And I would literally say to my ex-husband, can you hold that thought? And I would get my running sneakers on and I'd go for a 20 minute run. And I know he thought I was like having a mental breakdown, but I just, I didn't want to say something I would regret and I didn't want to hit him. I, I always wanted to hit him. I thought I was going to punch him in the face. So there's something to be said. And again, I, to, to mention Trevor Blake again, he's big on that. In fact, he, he does it even when he's not having a stressful day, he submerges himself into nature. He goes on a walk. And like, if you're, if you live in a, a city, then go to the park or go just get yourself outside in the fresh air for 10 minutes and it will really help you clear your mind. It's not a magic trick, but it really does. It's, it's all going back to how many times are you doing that, right? So we were talking about starting your day properly and ending your day properly. You might have a really stressful job that you need to clear your mind several times during the day. And honestly, you, if you can sit and scroll on your phone for 10 minutes, you can go and do a 10 minute walk. And, and scrolling on your phone's not the way to do it. I, I, I don't say, you know, I, I scroll on my phone. I'm not a hypocrite. I definitely scroll on my phone. But if you're looking for a way to clear your mind, the phone is not the way to do it. Absolutely not. If you have a dog, if you have a pet, grab your pet. Like sit, do something that's natural. Something that is not uh, connected to electricity. I'm a big person to go for a walk without my phone. And, you know, I, I can talk a big talk, right? Because I like where I live, there's cows on the road, there's men riding horses. You know, it's easy for me to connect with nature. But if you're a city dweller, you know, there's parks. If you have a pet, put your cat on your chest and just talk to your cat. Like connect with something that's real, that's natural. And it really helps you clear your brain because our brains are so connected. I look at my nieces and nephews now. They're all grown. They're, they're starting to have kids. And I'm like, wow, their kids, like, we didn't grow up with all this connectivity. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had to get up and cross the, now I'm dating myself, cross the yeah. living room to change the channel on the television. Yeah. We don't even have to do that anymore. So it really is important because I think that's where we come from, right? We're not all artificial intelligence. We are real people. We need to connect with real things. And most of the things that are going to get us into our head and just ruminating are, are things that we have to take care of, things that we know that if we just look at our phone, maybe maybe it's been resolved. Don't do that. You really need to get into nature. You really need to either go for a walk. And it depends on what your, what your stress level is. You know, some people, they're going to have to do it two, three times a day. It depends. And maybe sometimes for you, it'll be two, three times a day. Maybe sometimes you can do it once a day. But if you're not getting that connection, I think it's not healthy. Yeah, I know that there's so much science behind just seeing water and how what that yeah. does to the brain. And for me, I found like I'm in Orlando. And so sometimes of the year, it's like extremely unbearably hot. So you have to go yeah. like like before the sun rises kind of thing. But yeah. but this is a beautiful time of year for it. And when I see my ducks in my neighborhood and it's like, you know, I mean there's a parking lot right next to me. It's not like I, I could get into nature. There's there's definitely there are a lot of parks in the area. But if it's a work day and I'm working from home and I don't have time to get over to a nature trail, but I do have 10, 15 minutes that I can take a break. I'll do like a lap around the lake and see my ducks and maybe I'll see a turtle and it just puts a smile on my face no matter what I see. And, and it's so funny about the technology too. I do sometimes, I'll bring my phone, but 
because if I also, if I get locked out of the neighborhood somehow, I have to buzz myself in with the, with the phone. But, um, what I started doing was as I've gotten in, I've, I've gotten into reading again, but I do a lot of eBooks or audio or audio books. So I'll listen, you know, I might listen to a book on my walk, but other than that, like really trying to not be scrolling Instagram, like, like I, normally would and because I'll just get mad well sometimes I'll enjoy it but a lot of times I'll just like what is going on on the internet and why am I not posting and whatever right and right I I laugh because one of my good friends I was watching her three-year-old for a few minutes while she was in the bathroom and she handed him her phone and I asked oh does he know how to get to whatever it is that he wanted and she's like oh yeah he knows how to watch his shows I'm like how (laughs) like you can't read yet but you know how to find your movie and it was crazy and um so yeah I'm glad that we sort of had to go outside as kids, but it's, I mean, yeah. I think it shows even more like how important it is because we're more and more technological in our society today. And we spend so much time in front of a computer and on our phones just to, just to get normal work done. And like with yeah. very few exceptions, I think. And so I think taking that time to be away from it and to ground ourselves, I mean, that's, that really yeah. does help. Well, you know, and it, it can be stressful because the phone has made us uh, so accessible to things and, and I, I know I, I speak to people all the time. They're like, but, but it's like my responsibility. It's really important. And I get that. But my mom has this saying. And when I was younger, I mean, she's been saying it to me my whole life. When I was younger, I used to get so annoyed. But she's still saying it today. She's 87 years old. And it, it, it is so true. And now I'm telling it to other people. But it's the, there's nothing truer than your health is your first wealth. If you are not healthy, I mean, think about the last time you got really ill, right? And you were miserable, like lying in bed. You can't do anything. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're on your phone all the time for, you can't take care of that if you're in bed. And think about your mental health, right? You were just talking about how you were so exhausted that you didn't even, you felt like you were slurring your words, right? How effective are you if you're not mentally well, right? It is hands down one of the truest things my mom has ever told me and fed me my whole life. Your health is your first wealth. And it's so true. It, it's so odd how we'll take care of our emails before we take care of our own mental health first. And it's just like, we got to switch that around. You know, we have to switch that around because our priorities are out of sync. Yeah. And I think it does help us then to deal with any of the life circumstances that come up. Like I had a, I don't know what it was, but I did have a virus at the middle of last year and it took me a long time to get better. It was probably, it was about a month and a half, two months that I was just, I would get a little bit better and then I'd get worse and feeling Mm -hmm. like crap, not sleeping, not being really able to eat and not being able to exercise, not being able to like I getting winded, like folding my laundry and knowing that again, like people, people get a lot sicker. And then how is this taking so much out of me? And that really like affected the way I was, you know, cause I was working from home for a lot of that time. It was affecting my work. It was affecting my friendships and how I was responding to other people just because I was like, I am so miserable, you know, and, and I'm not sure how to take care of myself in this situation. And so then when actual like bad things may have happened in that time, it's like, oh my God, like this is the end of the world. Even though maybe in a healthier setting, it was, it was an inconvenience or it was something that really, you know, it sucked, but it wasn't, right. it, it was going to be fine in the long term. So I think that's, yeah. yeah, so key. 
it's that old adage, what would you do if you had $100,000 in the bank? What would you do to hang on to that? Or if somebody was trying to take that from you, like, what would you do? But what's the opposite of that? Like, we can't even think about that, right? Like, most people don't even have a savings account, right? Like, but yeah. then we don't contribute to it. So there's that old adage in the finance world where they say, well, what are you willing mm -hmm. to do? Right. And so when we think about our health, it's like we're so willing to answer 10 emails before we even get out of bed, but we're not willing yeah. to take the time for ourselves. And if something happens to us, we can't even answer those emails. It's just so yeah. it's so backwards. And, you know, if you really look at Warren Buffett, if, if you ever get a chance to read some of his stuff, he's got great stuff. He spends and I believe I read something that said that he's always been like this. So what he always does, he's always more about the, setting the intention for the day. So he like spends most of his day really looking at the bigger picture. And you know, like some people will be like, oh, well that's because he's rich now. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is what he, this is how he made himself what he is today. He has always focused on the bigger picture and not, not the things that get us stressed out. Right. We, mm -hmm. we, we have to let those things go because they really will just tear your whole day apart before you even know what's happening to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I've sat in meetings before where people were getting so bogged down in the minutia of something and like they're people practically in tears. And I'm sitting there and I was thankful that I was feeling a little bit more outsider in it where I'm like, <laughs> actually, like if we look at the bigger picture for this, like this is really not the important thing and what we really need, like, and maybe we just table this whole thing and focus right. on this. And when, when you, I think zoom out almost and yeah. it's, yeah, that intention. I mean, I'm definitely going to start incorporating that back into my own life because I did it with the journaling practice, but really to kind of focus it in at the beginning, because I think how you end the day for sure. But if you're not starting the day like that, then yeah. it's going to be very hard to end it. And yeah. I think that there's just so much to that. And I think that yeah. that, again, like we're going to have heartbreak and really challenging things that we never saw coming. But at least if we're stronger for those inconveniences, then the inconvenience isn't the end of the world. Because I love it's to go right. on, like, I love to go on a rant about crazy things that happened. And like, it's kind of funny to me, but I have to also take myself back and think, okay, am I actually like riling myself up and getting angry? Or am I kind of having the rant and laughing about right. it and moving forward? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And it really is. We are, we are what we put our minds to. I find myself sometimes I get into, if I find myself saying like the same thing over and over again, like, why can't I find this? Or we do a lot of, so we, since we don't have the restaurant anymore, we do a lot of private events and private dining. And so we, we, things are always, uh, lots of times are in flux, right? So it's like, okay, so we, we had to package that up for that, that, event over there. So then things get like just kitchen utensils and stuff. And I had to get myself out of the mind frame. Like this is your life. Like it's this, it's this rumination that if you can realize you're doing it to just stop because there's a fine line, right? Cause I could certainly go to the computer and be like, I can't find this. Like, or I could like get into a tizzy. Right. But that just winds us up. And why do we want to focus our time on that? Aren't we more valuable than that? Like, who cares what's really important? And I do think, I think that there are times where we can definitely get into these conversations that are not good. They might not be harmful, right? They might not like tear our day down or anything, but if we find ourselves talking too much about like 
anything that sounds like gossip, get yourself right out of it because that is like a place that we shouldn't go to. It's like our minds get into this whirlwind of negativity and it really brings our defensives down. Like if we're in that constant state of negativity, when something bad does happen, then we go off the rails, right? We don't have the capacity to handle it because we're too much on the wrong side of positive, you know? Yeah, I think gossip is one of those things where it's so tricky because it can seem like, oh, we're just, you know, it's all in good fun. And you think that you're kind of like, it may not seem that serious. And then suddenly, like everything that everybody is doing is wrong. And maybe that's not the case. But like, suddenly you're mad at everyone. Yeah. And attitudes like that, they're caught, right? They're caught. It's like catching a cold. And so you don't want to like, you don't want to expose yourself to that. It's really true. I I know that we all deal with negative thoughts anyway. So why perpetrate it, right? Why look for more? Because we just, we don't need it. And you know, I I know a lot of people joke around, like they know I'm always into, a lot of people I know, know I'm into personal development and, you know, we can get into these little teasing bits like, oh, well, you know, just about, it's not just about positive thinking, right? It's actually a way of life. And if you think about leading a life of joy, if you think about leading a life of fulfillment, leading the life you've always imagined, and then you think about sitting on the side, having coffee and just gossiping, it doesn't mesh, does it? That just doesn't match up to who we want to be, really. I mean, I know I've done it before. Listen, I have been part of many a conversation that I look back now and I'm like, God, I wasted a lot of time talking about stupid stuff. Like, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important and just kind of getting in the right mindset and then also realizing that, hey, if you're gossiping with a lot of other people, then those are probably also people you're surrounding yourself with that are bringing that negativity around as well. Where if you're with people that aren't participating in that, then you're not, you're not around it the same way. You're kind of surrounding yourself with a better group. And so I think that that is so key. Very key. Very, very key. And I just find that my people who I know, who I admire, who I want to surround myself with, who I think just being with them, I need to up my game. They're never the ones who are like, of course they have bad days. Of course they they have like once in a while, they have like a negative thing that happens. But for the most part, where they're on track, they're mostly trying to better themselves. They're trying to better the people around them. They're trying to reach their goals. Like those are the people that we want to surround ourselves with because you can't constantly have things in your mind, people feeding you things, and you expect to like reach your own goals, right? So it really is part of it. Yeah. Well, Connie, this has been so fantastic. I think that there are so many great takeaways for just ways that we can get through, I think, those challenging times, those unexpected curveballs that you know, inevitably life is going to throw our way, whatever they might be. And I think really learning to be adaptable and to find the joy where we can. I think you've shared so many great and practical takeaways for that. Before I let you go, and I do want to ask you more about your book as well. I have some rapid fire questions. I also like to ask all of the guests just for the listeners to get to know you a little more. Okay, sure. Wonderful. Well, my first one for you, and we have gotten into quite a few of these, but your top wellness tip Oh, my top wellness tip, yes. So it's funny, right? When when somebody asks me that, I, I tend to go right toward like <laughs> exercise. But in like I was mentioning before, my top 
wellness tip would have to be to really set your intention for the day. Once you say how you're going to do your day, your brain then says, okay, this is how we do it. Because if you ask your brain the right questions, it will give you the answers. So I do think that while being physically fit is massively important, I, I, I'm a big fan of doing something active at least four or five times a week. I think that the other end of that is really our, our mental wellness. So if you set your intention for the day, that's the most important. It's my top wellness tip for sure. Yeah. I love that because I think that mental wellness, if we're not taking care of that, then it's so hard then to make the decision to be active right. or to eat yep. the greens versus the Oreos <laughs> or whatever it is. Like, Yeah, exactly. We're giving ourselves the dopamine hit without having to go and all of the, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, totally. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? So that's a really hard one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's really difficult. What I can say is my partner and I were huge travel bugs. Unfortunately, uh, so my, my, my partner's from England and most of his, his, his son lives in the United States, but his, the rest of his family lives in England and we haven't been there since before COVID. But we were over there in about 2016. His mom was um, getting up in age and she had happened to fall down and break a bone. So we went over to help her out and we did some excursion trips and I keep wanting to get back to Spain. Um, we spent about almost two weeks in Barcelona and we, I knew I would love it, but I like, you know, there, I, sometimes I dream about it. Like at night I wake up, I'm like, Oh, I was just in Barcelona. Yes. <laughs> It is such a beautiful city. And then being from Florida, for me, like a lot of our architecture is inspired by Spain. And yeah. but, they're, but it's so much prettier there. <laughs> and it was so cool getting to go. And that, again, that is such a hard question. But I do think that we want we do want to go back to Spain. I think that the next time we go over to Europe, maybe maybe that's where we'll, maybe we won't go back to Barcelona, we'll go back to a different part of Spain. Mm. But yeah, so I guess I guess if I have to say my favorite, like, I guess it's the one that I'm wanting the most. And we definitely do want to go back to Europe because yeah, uh, first to see his family, we're, we're, we miss them so much. And then really to see another part of Spain, I think would be amazing. Yeah. I think the people definitely make it worthwhile too. Like, you know, who you're going to see or who you're with. And yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? <laughs> I think that's such a funny question. My, my entire life, I loved monkeys and I still do. That's my favorite animal. Totally my favorite animal. But if I had to be one, I think I would be a panda bear. Have you ever watched any clips of panda bears? They are like... So chill. Yeah. Like nothing bothers them. They roll around. All they want is love. Like I just think they are the cutest animals that just, they're yeah. just so sweet. So that would, I would be a panda bear. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> like their bamboo they're they're just chill. like yeah. yeah they they just seem happy yeah they could be yeah. chubby and they don't care <laughs> yeah yeah I saw I think I saw a meme that said something like is chubby and eats salad all day and I'm like oh god <laughs> like yeah they're just so happy I love them oh, yes now, if, if, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Okay, so I'm actually trying to at this moment, and that's a really great question. You know, Costa Rica is a Spanish-speaking country, so I've come a long way with my Spanish, 
but honestly, I want to master it. Like I'm not fluent at all. I mean, I can have a, a fluent conversation with one person and like an hour later, talk to a completely different person and, and barely know anything they said. So that's my goal. It's definitely, that's the skill that I'm, I want to master like right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's a great one. And it just to be able to communicate with people in their language. And yeah, I think I think and it's a beautiful language, too. Yeah, yeah. I thought that I would learn it a lot easier. But you know, I grew up in New Jersey. So I grew up mm-hmm. around a lot of Latino people. One of my dearest friends in life is uh, her family's from Puerto Rico. I grew up mm-hmm. listening to her family speaking. And, and when we got here, and we're ready to live here, and I tried to speak Spanish, nobody understood me. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until I made friends that I realized I needed to speak differently and then they helped me to speak. And and so, but yeah, to become fluent is what I want to master. That's such a great goal. And my final rapid fire for you, what's next on your bucket list? So that's a really interesting question. I never really think of myself as having a bucket list. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like if I were to do that to myself that I, maybe I wouldn't do it. I don't know. I just kind of think like to think of the things in my bucket list are just, they're actually part of my life, but it's a good question. And I understand it. So I'm not really sure. It's one of three things. It is definitely something, a follow-up to my book. I don't really know what it is writing another book. I'm not quite sure where it's taking me. So that's one. The next one is to get a retreat, at least annual at first, an annual retreat service going in um, Costa Rica. I've been working on that actually with a very uh, dear friend and colleague of mine for a couple of years. We're trying to get it going. And then the last thing would be, I definitely want, I love Costa Rica. I feel like this is my adoptive country, but I think I'd like to give it a go for another, like a couple of years living somewhere else. So I don't know. It's that, those are my top three. I don't know what one will happen first, but um, I'm definitely working on all three of them and we'll see what happens, I guess. I have to be flexible, right? I can't be like thinking inside the box. Like I've got to do one, two or three and in a certain order. <laughs> right. Well, and tomorrow something could pop up where you're like, wow, I have this new thing that I really want to do that I never thought of. Absolutely. And I'm open to it. I'm like, let's, let's have it happen. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And Connie, I'm just so grateful that we got to have this conversation today. I'm so excited for the listeners to get to hear it. And I think your attitude is so contagious and just so excited to to bring this, you know, to the world. Before I let you go, I would love for you to share with us a little bit about your practice and your book, where people can find them and what they can connect with and then wh- where the best places are to find you. Okay, so the best place to find me is well, probably my website. So I'm my last name is Monroe, M-O-N-R-O-E, like Marilyn, I like to say. Um, so MonroeCoaching.com, that's my website. That's probably the best place to find me. My book is called Holding On to Joy Through Abandonment and Divorce. That is found on Amazon. And there's we we are playing around with the um with the retreat services. And that's we're we're going by the by the name 2020 Retreats, which is on Facebook. So also I have Monroe Coaching on Facebook as well. So you've got Facebook, uh, my website, and then you can go to Amazon for my book. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes. And I hope the listeners do connect and get to learn more about what you're doing. Because I think, again, it's just all very inspiring and being able to take painful moments in life and be able to pivot that into really 
share with people how we can find that joy and what that next step is. I think that's so inspiring and so empowering. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing all of that with us today and for everything that you're doing in the world. Oh, thank you so much, Valerie. It was such a great pleasure. Let's stay connected. It was lots of fun talking with you. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for the experience. Thanks for having me on the show. I really love Connie's energy and truly enjoyed this conversation. I especially loved her practice of setting intentions at the start of the day to really get grounded in what matters. I think this is such a great way for us to really build our resilience and create that anchor in our day. Her tips I felt were so fantastic and I hope you'll connect with Connie to learn more. I've linked her information and her book in the show notes. I want to thank each and every one of you for sharing your time and energy with us today. I'm so grateful to all of you for tuning in this week. If this episode resonated with you, please screenshot and share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. If you have a topic you'd like to see in a future episode, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at Wellness and Wonderlust blog or by email at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E at wellnessandwonderlust.net. Have a fabulous day and we'll see you next time.